he was sahbihi waman wala. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Safina Society. Nothing but facts live stream, uh, where it is a sunny yet cold Wednesday. We had some snow earlier this morning. And it is a day in which we do the affairs of the Ummah. But of course, Wednesday is also the day in which we do a dua uh, because it is um, uh, Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr is a time of Ijabat al-Dua. So let's pull that straight up and um, and let's go with that. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina liaghfira laka Allahumma taqaddama min dhanbika wa ma ta'akhar wa yutimmin a'matahu alayka wa yahdiyaka siratam mustaqima wa yansuraka Allahu nasran aziza wa kana indallahi wajiha وجيهم في الدنيا والآخرة ومن المقربين وجهت وجهي للذي فطر السماوات والأرض بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتح قريب ومبشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كونوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم للحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذوا سنة ولا نوم لهما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمتان نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون والله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم والله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيذ نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشفتين حسنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس ويحضرون عز جاره وجل ثناؤه وتقدست أسماءه لا إله غيره اللهم إني أجعلك في نهور أعدائي وأعوذ بك من شرورهم وتحيلهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم أطفئ نار من أراد بعداوة من الجن والإنس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب ما أعظم شأنك وأعز سلطانك تحصنت بالله وبأسماء الله وبآيات الله وملائكة الله وأنبياء الله ورسل الله والصالحين من عباد الله حصنت نفسي بلا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم اللهم احرسني بعينك التي لا تنام واكنفني بكنفك الذي لا يرام وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا أهلك وأنت اتقاتي ورجائي يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين اكفني شر كل طارق يطرق بليل أو نهار إلا طارقا يطرق بخير إنك على كل شيء قدير بسم الله أرقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي من كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس أذهب الباس اشفي أنت الشافي وعافي أنت المعافي 
لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر السقم ولا ألم يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجيد ارفعني كل تعب شديد وكفني من الحد والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد واجعل لي نور من نورك وعزا من عزك ونصرا من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييدا من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شر كل ذي شر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهرا وباطنا وعلى كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين الله take a few seconds now for dua Okay. Could you uh, get us on, please? Bismillah. <coughs> no, just the Wi-Fi. All right, today is not the uh, affairs of the Ummah. And while it's not directly connected to the Ummah, but it is something that is um, really beyond um, comprehension, that um, law enforcement would do what they did to Tyree Nichols. So let's get the update uh, on that, because there there are some there there is some stuff going on here, um, namely that these guys, these cops, 
All right, let's get the latest from the New York Times on this. Is that these cops, the initial police report on these cops was contradicted by videos. They lied on the report. And then apparently one of the officers has gotten some special treatment for themselves. And one of the officers never got, didn't get fired, got just desk duty. And we'll see why. So if you're not aware of what happened, there's a gruesome video out of a young man. He's 29 years old. He gets a beat down really badly for nothing over except a traffic uh, stop. That's the statement. You want to believe that? I, I'm thinking there has to be something else. There's no way five guys, five officers, are going to respond to a traffic stop. That's the first thing. Think about. Isn't that the first suspicious thing? All right, backup. How many backup are going to come? They tase the guy. And he still ran away. Your tasers, first, that's another subject. How do you tase someone and he still runs away? Police report was written hours after officers beat Tyree Nichols. And the, op- the report was starkly at odds with what the video has revealed. This police report mentions no kicks, no punches. Okay? Whereas all of that was, of course, in the video. The video footage is both body cams plus cameras that were on the wall uh, on the store next door the police report painted mr nichols 29 as an irate suspect who started to fight the memphis police even though he did not uh throw one punch at them nor push them nor did anything and it said that he reached for one of their guns where the video shows nothing of the sort Instead, they captured police officers yanking Mr. Nichols from the car, threatening to hurt him. Then he ran away. Now, when a guy runs away, that's a big sign because you're really not, he's, he's trying not to hurt you. All right. He runs away and they catch up with him and inflict upon him a deadly beating. All the while, it appears from videos that Mr. Nichols did not strike back once. The fallout from his death has continued since Monday. Police department announced that it had suspended two more officers in addition to the five. So why are there seven officers? Is there nothing going on in Memphis? Is there absolutely nothing happening in Memphis, Tennessee that five officers thank you, and then two more have to answer this to, to this man? Look at this. It is a busy day here. It is a packed house. By the way, guys, if you're at Dollar Fats today, what's going on? It is a packed house. Some days, it's me and Ryan. Now, we got one, two, four, four. Come take a seat. Dollar Hot, take a seat. You know some people, how do they write your name? A-H. But it's Talha. Yeah. It's a misspelling on my birth certificate. Your parents misspelled your name. Oh, my gosh. Come, take a seat. Move this jacket. Oh, I'm going to take this jacket away. Huh? Asif. Asif who? Asif, Asif Iqbal? He's in bed. So, I'm, your, your parents misspelled your name. They don't want me saying the story, but yeah, pretty much. Can, you can get it refixed. Fixed. Yeah, but it's iconic. It's an icon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because I'm sitting there, and I'm watching everyone spell your name, and I'm like, guys, you're spelling his name wrong, right? It's not Tala. Anyway, um, we got some massive construction 
we got two teams of construction going on downstairs. Um, so it's a wild day today. All right. And then we got this. How are you going to run the soup kitchen today, right? Take and go, I guess. I think you can open the two doors now, right? Come in one door, take, and go out the other door. Yeah. So start using the, start using the space again. Yeah. By the way, um, the costs for attending is feeding the plants. So this is your first time? All right, you're feeding the plants. We'll get you the, uh, the container at the end of the stream. You go downstairs to the kitchen, you water, and you feed the plants. You've had plants before, before right? Okay. MashaAllah. All right, so we're reading now nothing but uh, uh, the affairs of the Ummah. And we're reading the continued fallout from the Tyree Nichols death. Although it's not of the Ummah, but it's got to be, it's really of the Ummah of humanity at this point because the beating that this guy took. Did you see the video? Tyree Nichols beating? Man, they had the guy down, face down. Five cops, face down. One guy pulls him by like the collar, pulls him up. So his waist is up like this, right? And his, his body's down, but his waist is up. And another officer comes in with his boots, boom, right in his face. Right? At that point, the guy was, I don't even know how he didn't pass out. They held him up. He's handcuffed. And two guys holding him, and he's handcuffed, and they start pummeling his face. His face was swollen like this in the hospital. You would think he was maybe a three, four, 300 pound man in the hospital. But then when you actually see the guy, he's a skinny beanpole. At that point, it's total gang violence. So seven officers are involved in this. On one thin, skinny guy who did nothing except a traffic violation. And what traffic violation is there to, is there to do at the street that he was in? It's not like there was, there was no accident. There was no drunk driving. To what degree is it, a, is it reckless driving? Anyway. Meanwhile, the city's fire chief, Gina Sweat, fired two emergency medical technicians and a lieutenant that responded to the scene saying they violated policies. Why? Because the EMT, when they got there, they told them to, um, they told them to, uh, to do nothing. Wait. The fire chief said that the EMTs had been responding to a report of a person who had been pepper sprayed and they had relied on information given to them on the scene by some police officers who had just punched, kicked, and used a baton to pummel Mr. Nichols, a FedEx worker. Still just don't understand motive here. What is the motive? The official account written by a police officer early the next morning told a much different story. It was the latest instance nationwide in which video evidence, whether from a body camera footage or a bystander's cell phone, offered a starkly different account of police violence. Ah, what's happening? Fresh back from Pakistan. What do you got there? Rodies? MashaAllah. Allahu Akbar. Scarf. A brown scarf. MashaAllah. Hot matches, yeah. MashaAllah. Here, put this on because it's cold actually. In Minneapolis, George Floyd died following a medical incident 
in which that too was uh, taken by a teenager's cell phone. Okay. In Mr. Nichols' arrest, the officer wrote that the police stopped Mr. Nichols' car on January 7th after seeing him drive quickly and into oncoming traffic, and that once he was stopped, he refused a lawful detention. Okay. Carolyn Davis, the Memphis police chief, has said investigators have been unable to determine whether he was driving recklessly or not. And the videos show that officers had approached his car with their guns drawn, threatening him, cursing him. I'm trying to understand, like... Anyway, no one knows why, why they did this, okay? Anyway, that's the story. There, there, to me, there's, in the sense, there's no story in the sense of it's one-sided. It's very clear that the officers here are going to spend a long time in jail and they really should just get the death penalty and his family should not work again. His family should not, his family should never have to work because the city's got to cover this, right? These are officers. There's not our gangsters. So the, off, the city of Memphis has to cover this. City of Memphis has to basically pay them for life. That's the deal. It's gonna, they're going to pay them. Uh, it's not just death. There's death. Then there's all sorts of other things that you did on top of that death. So that was item number one on our on our stream. Can someone download Instagram on this too? This thing. Okay. And the code is just one, two, three, four, five, six. Item number two. There is a new European nation now entering into Muslim countries and doing their thing, and that is Russia. Russia is now destabilizing Africa, and it happens to be in all the formerly French colonized nations that are Muslim nations as well. So this, in a sense, does affect uh, the Ummah right away. So Russians are now coming into... Uh, former French colonial lands like Senegal uh, and the Sahel region. And they're coming in, claiming they're going to protect you from ISIS. And then Russia then gets a little bit of the natural resources or a lot bit of the natural resources of Russia. So let's take a look at this story. One of the groups that has risen to international prominence or infamy is the Uh, is Wagner, a Kremlin-based mercenary outfit that employs former criminals, former military uh, veterans. In Ukraine, they often fight with when conventional Russian army troops flee the battlefields. They're noted for the brutality, which never comes, uh, goes back to Russia. Russia will never get blamed for the Wagner Group's brutality because it's a private contractor. But it's Wagner's activities in Africa, especially the geopolitically important Sahel region, that requires closer attention. Formed in 2014 by Yevgeny Prigozhin, a longtime loyalist of President Vladimir Putin of Russia, the Wagner Group was created to support Russia's initial foray into Ukraine nine months ago. So they're relatively new. Um, I wouldn't mind running such a group. Right? Have um, you got a plot of land with all your weapons and you got some military guys and you can go do jobs? Right? 
But what kind of job are they doing? So it says that uh, since then it has evolved into a shadow network of mercenaries deployed, deployed throughout the globe. So Russia has found good use of these things where they can't go as a country. They send these people in. Okay. And their biggest footprint is now Africa. The Central African Republic, Libya, Mali, Mozambique, Musa bin Beg. You know that Mozambique comes from the, from the name Musa bin Beg. All right. Some people said it's Muadham Bey, but the locals say it's Musa bin Beg, an Indian Muslim scholar who came in and started the Dawah there. Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six. Combining hard and soft power, the Wagner forces are destabilizing poorly governed regions like the Sahel through wanton human rights abuse, rapacious resource extraction, and covert disinformation efforts that meddle in the internal politics of the country in which they operate. Okay. Wagner operatives, operatives advise the strongman Omar al-Bashir, who has been charged by the International Criminal Court with multiple counts of genocide. They told him how to operate his social media campaign that would discredit the civilian protests. All right, so there's former KGB for sure involved with this. In a memo to Mr. Bashir, Wagner advisors advocated publicly executing protesters to send a message to others. Phony election monitors and Wagner-engineered social media campaigns have manipulated local populations and interfered in elections. So basically this is the colonial, colonialism of a different variety. And when is it going to be the time when we run a nothing but facts live stream and are outraged by Muslims who are wrongly going into European countries, right? Why is it always Europeans coming into Muslim countries? This is the norm now. It's like you don't even bat an eye. But if a Libyan force, can you imagine this? A Libyan secret force has been found meddling in France, right? When is the day going to come when, when things flip? And that's what we're reading. I mean, I imagine pe people can't even fathom it. Could happen one day. I'm not saying it'd be right, but probably preferable to this, right? Wagner fighters may be soon on their way to Burkina Faso, all right, to meet Ghana's president, all right, or uh, Burkina Faso. In mid-December, Ghana's president, Nana Adu, alleged that the government in Burkina Faso's capital had offered Wagner a lucrative mining contract in exchange for its services. The security for resources arrangement mimics Wagner's blueprint in other parts of Africa where it's said to have cut deals with authoritarian governments to gain mining concessions. So they are basically going in there for the resources. The private military contractors of Wagner have now become direct extensions of the Russian government's foreign policy. By gaining access to valuable mining contracts, Mr. Putin seeks to evade biting Western sanctions, laundering gold, diamonds, and other precious gemstones illicitly. Okay. Wagner has also forged agreements with governments in Africa to gain access to uranium, oil, and manganese. All right. Strategically, through Wagner, Russia is filling the security void in Africa all right, and lining its own pockets. This includes an active attempt to eject French forces from the region. 
and discredit Operation Barkhine, the French-led counterterrorism mission in the Sahel. All of these countries, European countries, take a look at this, all these European countries taking Africa as a playground, taking the lands of Muslims and the lands of poor people as a playground. They should be, they should really feel insulted by the whole thing, right? When are they going to rise up for self-determination? Revenue is through the roof. And now weapon sales to African nations has increased cash inflow into Russia, right? Even as its lackluster battlefield performance raises doubt about the quality of its security assistance, Western countries are drawing down their presence in the Sahel to pivot from counterterrorism to great power competition. But Moscow correctly sees little distinction between these two objectives. Right? What exactly is great power competition? Okay. Now, where are we playing games now? In Pakistan. Except this article about great power competition is... I can't read it. It's... um, It's... uh, it's got a paywall. All right. That's all. That's it. So Africa is now the new gangster in Russia. Uh, Russia is now the new gangster in Africa. That's essentially the article. Uh, we read about Tyree Nichols and where this, this situation shouldn't take long to convict them and give them the death sentence. And now something that one of my friends sent me a long time ago and I, I refuse to buy it and I refuse to get involved Okay, and that involves a book that he said, asked me to, to, to read uh, to buy I refuse to, to read it and buy it Okay, and that is namely a book on tidying up decluttering and my, I had a friend of mine he's a Talib and he's a teacher he's like you gotta get this book I said what is it he said, it's Japanese decluttering. I'm like, there is no way I'm buying that book. I can clean up myself. It's take junk, throw it out. If it's good stuff, give it to Oxfam or uh, what do we call it here? The charity company? Goodwill. Or La Cocina. Any, give it, to, give it away. Clean up. That's, is that hard? Now, guess what? Finally... Kondo says she has given up. After three kids, this is not going to interest the young guys here, but if you're in a house and you're with family and, and you're with, you live with people, with kids, this relates to you. Okay? How many fathers out there come home and the biggest issue of the house is how dirty it is because the kids have made it a mess, right? How many families out there... Okay, raise your hand if, if you're a family out there that... The biggest theme of the of the of the family is the clutter and the mess. Now here's and and people always say go back and say, um, oh it was never like that blah blah blah. But you have to also keep in mind there wasn't enough a lot of stuff back in the day. All right, like your grandparents, what you own now, the amount of items that you own right now, they probably have owned half of that for their entire lifespan. Like back in the old days, when you got a spoon, when you got a pot, you kept that pot forever. You go to your grandmother's 
like you people won't know this here, but in Egypt, there was no such thing as every five years get a new set of pots. Like for your grandparents, that was never a thing. You had pots, you had those pots forever. There's no need. They were built to last. That's one thing. And, and people didn't waste. But anyway, the Queen of Clean, she's called, Maria Kondo, and I refuse to get her book. Uh, she's writing about Japanese. Japanese cleaning techniques. And her name is Maria. Yeah. Marie. World-renowned Japanese decluttering expert admitted that with three children to look after, her family home was a mess and tidying up had become a low priority. You're fighting against the ocean, the tide. P- keep pulling them down, all the way down to the table, please. Okay. How many kids did you, you, were, you were up three of three. You? Five. F- what number are you? I'm fourth. fourth of five. First of three. First of three. First of three. And three, I think, is not terrible. Five, that house is never getting clean. It is never getting clean, right? You lose a house of ten. Who? Ten dudes. Man, that's probably. It has a special smell. Yes. That kind of house, you could tell men live in You know that we there there was a place called River Road. Anyone who was around Rutgers from the 1995, 1997 to 1999 will know the infamous apartment on River Road. It was so bad that they bought the, the bin from the outside, take the trash out. They just bought that inside, the living room. And when you walked in, you could not tell what, co- what color the rug was, nor if it was rug or floor even. From the amount of shirts and garbage, to the point that someone recruited for them a cleaning lady, these two ladies walked in, they took a look, and they walked right out. They said, we're not taking the job. That's how dirty these guys were. The pl- everyone took the place as a, uh, a pad. You don't know who lived there and who wasn't. There were people sleeping in rooms all over the place at any given time. And there were, here's the most nasty part, razors everywhere. Nastiness, disease, okay? I may have sp- stepped in there one time to hang out with the guys and I had to leave, right? The only thing that was like, clean was the TV and their PlayStation. Marie Kondo admits my home is too messy, all right, and the way I spend my time is the right way for me. I'm not going to go spending all my time tidying up, right? I need to unwind. So sometimes you just, I'm not going to read more, I'm not going to give this more than five minutes, but that was the idea. If anyone remembers this and anyone goes through this in their daily life, that you walk home and the biggest subject of the day is why is this here, why is this there, where's my jug, where's my water bottle, where am I, all right, why don't we have any forks? Like, now there are certain things that really make your head turn. Why are there no forks? How do, the, how do forks disappear from the house? They're not in the drawer. They're not in the Washington. Yeah, they're not in the. They're not in the dishwasher. They're not in the sink. They're not in the kitchen. How do the whole household worth of forks are now dwindled within a month or two? How does this happen? And this is the type of thing that busies your mind right at 7 p.m. And if you think about it, 
there is something therapeutic about it because if your mind is on serious matters all day and you come home and you're like, where are the forks? It, it gives you a little bit of perspective, right? And you go around, you heat up your food. <laughs> you look for the salt. That salt shaker, by the time you find it, the food's cold again, right? This is stuff that happens so many times you wonder, I'm an educated person. Why is the same thing happening to me every month? Right? Why haven't I found a solution to this? Right? Oh, that is that is the norm. The water filter, filtered water, is in the fridge but empty. That means someone used it yeah. and put it back. Or right? It's a cereal box and it has a yes, the just the dust yeah. at the bottom. You come home. Some 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 of these days you come home. Everyone's asleep. Right? You can't find the remote control. The cereal is just dust at the bottom. The day that you do have cereal, you don't have milk, right? Oh, my goodness. And I'm telling you, what it does to you is it actually, um, it takes your mind off of serious matters, and it puts your mind back on the life of little people. And it actually, there is something to me mystical about it, because it, they're living a total different world. They're in another world, Right? But that, why is their world any less relevant than everything else? Aren't they the future? So their world is very important. They are the future whether we like it or not, right? So you got to sort of understand their worlds. But going into the little, a little kid's world, to me, is as much as it may drive you crazy, there is a, some therapy to it. Right. It was so funny on Sunday when we were doing the class, the kids' classes. And yeah. I was watching Muhammad do run. He would run around to all the different classes. Yeah. It's like him. He's just like he's got different play circles. He's like, I'm gonna go play at this circle. Right oh there. yeah. It's a circle of adults playing. Yeah. I'm gonna go play with them, and then I'm gonna go eat over there and yeah. play with them. And like we're trying to do classes and stuff, discipline kids. And and for him, this is the funnest thing. The masjid is huge in comparison to a baby this big, right? All these people, new faces, new everything. Now here's the thing, whatever is you're focusing on to you whatever you focus on takes up more importance and displaces something else when you live that life and and if eventually you all will and should live that life where these little creatures take up the majority of your attention in a second half of the day right and they displace the importance of the f- previous half of the day then you go back to your friends and your colleagues and the internet and you realize like nothing you guys are saying is that important because perspective was gained right <laughs> right their life is important right and uh, because it's important to you so you start realizing that it's not really and you start really well what is important uh, ultimately what's important is only what you focus upon in your mind you'll never really know what is objectively have an answer to what is important we're talking about things outside the revelation right we're not talking about revelation we know what revelation has made important but so there's a theological dispute online we don't have forks at home someone needs help with homework right you see how disparate these these concepts are like they're not they're not they don't fit nicely in a puzzle and you start to realize like what's important is something that it's just what you make it to be important right and you will always find people to find that important and you'll find people to find it completely irrelevant and that's the amazing thing about when you become balanced. Now, when you're, a, when you're young, for example, when I was young, right, I didn't have siblings my age growing up. So there was no one in the house to displace my thought patterns. You're going to go home or you're going to go wherever you go. You go with your family, with your family. 
if there's a lot of people, someone is going to displace in your mind your thought pattern. If I'm thinking about this subject, someone's going to bring in another subject and balance it out, right? That's what happens all the time. It's actually almost hard to stay focused on, right, when there's so many people. But when you're, when you're, an, uh, when you're living all alone all the time, what's, what you're thinking about at school, in the car, and at home is one and the same. Now, what that does, it allows you to focus, but it also allows you to go so deep into a rabbit hole that what you think is important ends up being really important to like 0.0001% of the population, right? And that's something that the solution to, the only solution to that is socialize with dis- different ages. Socializing with different age groups, that to me is, is the solution. It's not necessarily different ideologies and different beliefs. It's different ages. You, you, you socialize too much with different beliefs, you'll end up watering down your beliefs completely, right? So football people, they need to hang out with football people so they can stay focused. They're not going to come to somebody who thinks football is irrelevant. That's going to decrease their himma. That's extremely important, right? Not to hang out with people who think what you think is important is irrelevant. But different age groups and different sectors of work and society. So, for example, people who are blue-collar, people who are white-collar, different sectors of the society. And that, to me, is extremely important to get that balance and realize what's actually important and what's not. It's a game-changer. A lot of the people, yeah. like I meet in college, their yeah. first job is a 30-an-hour internship. That's, that's just been their life. Yeah. But you work at, like, $10 an hour in a mm-hmm. warehouse. 848. $848. Your coworker is a 30-year-old guy with two kids, a family, and he has $96 in his bank account. And you can't even relate to that. Yeah. But it, re- it really levels your... It totally levels yeah. things out. It totally levels things out. Absolutely. Dealing with that... And, and that's why the third space of the masjid is the best third space. Right? Because it filters out bad qualities that you don't want to interact with. But it brings in every single other quality that will give you a sense of life. Right? It's going to give you a sense of perspective. Because people, like you said, you're going to have a colleague that is in his mid-30s all he thinks about is the end of the month. And then when, he, when, he, when he's not thinking about that, all he wants to do is take a break on Friday. And if you tell him, let's think, right? He's like, what, think what? Right? I mean, my mind is turning all week. All I want to do is unwind. And I'm telling you, I had to learn this. I went from PhD, seeking knowledge, all that world. And then when I came down back for Dawa. I would sit in the masjid. Nobody could relate to what I was saying. And I would think to myself, these people probably don't have bookshelves. They don't own books. And I thought to myself, they don't know basic concepts. And I thought to myself, how do you live? How are you people living? Right? Then I thought to myself, well, isn't this the majority of people? So I then went on a little mission to start to learn their perspective of life. Right? Not to learn what they know, how they view the world. And the way I did this was that this is going to be a deep dive. I'm not going to read a book. I'm not going to read anymore. Right? This was an important perspective because you could go down the route of scholarship. If you don't have siblings growing up to give you perspective, you get lost real, you go real deep. And you become so lost that you can become an irrelevant person in society. So I said, I'm not going to read books anymore. Stop reading books. Of course, reading like some Dini books here and there, yeah, but not theoretical books on, you know, by PhDs and 
journalists and that stuff, I put it all aside. And then I said, I'm going to hang out with some of these guys. And I literally didn't know what to do. So I went to ShopRite and I got on the $1 clearance some DVDs on sports. I, I didn't even know like what had happened in the last decade. And I threw them into the TV and I put some food on the table and I invited these guys. Right? And I'm like, let's see how this works. I don't know how this works. How do you hang out? Right? And then I realized that it's not that hard. Right? They just talk. Talk about nonsense. Right? And the more nonsensical it is, the better. No deep issues. And then always have food on the table. These guys stayed until 1 a.m. On a Friday night. They stayed until 1 a.m. And I'm like, okay, so that's how it works. And then I kept doing it until I started relating and then once you can relate, then you could deliver a message to somebody. So it's very important to have this concept. Any comments or questions so far? Go ahead, read it to me. I'm not on the YouTube, but... This one? Read it. Yeah, yeah. On the topics uh, that we've covered so far. That's because good. we still have a fourth segment. Nah, it's not relevant. Yeah, it's not relevant, yeah. Okay, actually this one... So it's a statement, but maybe it's a good statement that we can talk about. Go ahead. We will be taken into account for extra things that we own. Yeah, to a degree, yes. Is this because uh, I wonder about, like, we have these narrations about uh, people who are poor, for lack of better terms, entering Jannah first, right? Yeah. Their mind's less distracted. Mm. They suffered more. They watched everyone have, and they didn't have. Every single... Every single time they look at somebody that has and they go home not having, right? That's, a, that's painful to them, right? They get compensated for that, right? They get compensated. The fourth item on our, um, on our um, episode today, Sweden is back in the news because a guy... Asked for a license and permission to burn the Torah in front of the Israeli embassy, just like you burned the Quran in front of the Turkish embassy. And you protected the guy and you gave him free speech and you sent the police to protect him. That was like two weeks ago, right? Well, a guy then goes and he said, I'm making the same application. I want to stand in front of the Israeli embassy and burn the Torah. What did I tell you guys the other when we did this? The solution is not to say no. The solution is take it to its logical conclusion. Burn an LGBTQ flag in front of the American embassy, the Torah in front of the Israeli embassy, the Bible in front of the Italian embassy, right? <laughs> that's how it works, right? Um, that's how it works. Um, it took a flurry of activity on, on the part of Swedish, Swedish officials, Israel's foreign ministry, and its embassy to stop protesters who wanted to burn a Torah scroll in Sweden's capital city of Stockholm in front of the Israeli embassy. A group of, huh? They blocked it. No way. Sweden didn't allow it. They blocked it. They shut it down. Yep. So you burned the Quran last week. I can't burn the Torah this week. Where's my freedom of speech? Okay. A group of extremists requested a permit from the police. Extremists or free speech activists? Oh, wait. Extremists, no, right? What are you reading from? What this is TRT. 
which is a weird perspective, right? I went to them to get a perspective on um, the sympathetic side first. A group of... Ex- oh, maybe it's... Maybe it's... No, it's TRT. It's not uh, Associated Press. Because, yeah. yeah, you know, some they buy the article from Associated Press. A group of extremists requested a permit from the police seeking to stage a protest. Oh, maybe to, to, to look fair. They're calling them extremists. Right? Seeking to stage a protest outside the Israeli embassy in Stockholm where they intended to burn a scroll of the Torah. Yeni Safak, online news portal based in Turkey, reported. But the moment the news became known, Israeli diplomats scrambled and reached out to their counterparts in Sweden seeking a cancellation, calling it an act of hate. So the next stunt should be, hello, I'd like to burn all the three books, the Quran and the Torah, to see which, and the Bible. Let's see if they're going to stop that or not. But the moment the news became known, uh, they called it an act of hate. In clear contrast, in an act that reflected Sweden's blatant hypocrisy, a far-right racist leader, Rasmus Paladin, was allowed to burn the Qur'an on January 21st in front of the Turkish embassy. Turkey, which is now, by the way, internationally, they're forcing you, they're forcing all these news agencies to write Turkey as Turkiya, with uh, two dots, an I-Y-E, Turkiya. Yeah, it's a food. Yeah, and it's and it's a it's a coward, right? A turkey's a coward. It's an animal. So I guess we have to go along with that. Turkey had strongly condemned the act, calling it vile. We condemn in the strongest possible terms a vile attack on our holy book, the Quran, in Sweden today. Despite our repeated warnings earlier, said Erdogan, foreign minister, uh, Turkish foreign ministry. Permitting this anti-Islam act, which targets Muslims and insults our sacred values under the guise of free expression, is unacceptable. It's an outright hate crime. While Swedish Prime Minister Ulf Christensen said, Christensen, called burning books that are holy to many is a deeply disrespectful act, but it is freedom of expression and a fundamental part of democracy. So what happened now? Hilarious. Hilarious. That they went... Whoever did this, this is exactly what we said. Two weeks, I think it was last week we read this. I said, and they said, all these people saying Islamophobia, that's the wrong reaction. The right reaction is take the absurd rule and pull it to its logical extension. Request by Israeli officials for similar acts, for a similar act, received a different reception than their Turkish counterparts. We have been very busy in recent days trying to prevent this hateful event and are working with the most senior ranks in the foreign ministry and the local police. We will continue to work to prevent such a shameful incident. Okay. And so the planned protest intending to burn a tor- the Torah scroll in front of the Israel embassy was called off after organizers were convinced to withdraw their request for the permit. Okay. The Torah is Judaism's holy scripture. The individual who was organizing the demonstration withdrew his permit application from the police. He, he got as much, maybe, the same people that pressured him or the same people that pressured Jordan Peterson from becoming an Israeli lackey these days. Yeah. Yeah, what is up with him? How much is he on the payroll for? We saw his video that he was um, telling Sunnis in 
Yeah, ultimate bootlicking right there, man. He flipped so fast, he's so fast. He's man. so intelligent, and then yep. now it's like it's you can tell he's being indoctrinated. Well, he's a bootlicker, man. He's, so. he's a complete bootlicker. Do they have something on him, or are they just paying him, or is his his mind cracked? Because did he actually just get serious depression, and his mind just cracked? Maybe he wasn't up for all this fame, and I don't know what it is, but he is just a. Com I think he doesn't have an ideology. Mm -hmm. you know he doesn't. What it is? When you don't have something, a real true ideology to hold you grounded, yeah. then you become, you just get swayed by anyone who shows you he's any lost. type of logic, any type of kindness. Yeah. So he's getting a lot of support from the Zionists. Yeah. And because of that, they're being nice to him, they're yeah. being kind to him, and they're making, you know, they're, he's listening to their points. So he's dissuaded wherever the So he just is. turned out to be extremely weak. Extremely weak. And he claims to be a Christian, but his take on the Bible is that it's all metaphorical. So he has like these. He's an Ibn Sina. He's an Ibn Sina. <laughs> yeah. He's in, uh, by the way, I'm debating an Ibn Sina. Uh, uh, Ibn Sina Madhab, uh, I guess. Rejected. Uh, he's in. Yeah, of course. Um, On the 16th, right? Yeah, 15th. Wednesday. 15th. Who's going? I have to see. The Wednesday. plane tickets are crazy right now. Yeah. Sure. Have to go late. No, Egypt. I'm going Right, it's coming. So next Wednesday, we don't have a stream. Next Wednesday, we'll stream oh, two Wednesdays. in two Wednesdays. And we'll stream as much as we can from the event, if it's not live streamed already. On, on I'm going to be on Telegram. I'm going to be debating a disciple of the Ibn Sina philosophy, basically, that the Quran is essentially all allegorical. Right? That's the idea. Okay. And we're doing this in Los Angeles. So the, the, the guy who wanted to do this, he said, I have no interest in burning the Torah. I just want to spark a debate. Okay. Why is this guy considered an extremist? Yeah, he's not an extremist. He's not an extremist at all. They're claiming online that the uh, Norway Quran burner from a few years ago, he committed suicide two days ago. That's, that's the really? rumor. Really? That's the rumor, but I'm not sure. You know, Allahu alam how to we'll look it up. Can you look it up on your phone? I saw videos circulating that had a lot of attention on them. But look it up. We'll, we'll, the sources are not the most trustable. All right, so is Muhammad Salah not doing well with Liverpool? What's going on? British folks, you could tell us, because the next story here is that Muhammad Salah is now being condemned or being jeered as a bomber okay, in Liverpool. Uh, or, or sorry, uh, in Chelsea. Uh, they went to play Chelsea and they called him a bomber. Um, like derogatorily? Derogatorily. I have never actually seen how being a, a bomber is actually derogatory. Right? To me, it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, you're a, you're a killer. Wait a second. At least I'm not the victim, right? <laughs> I've never understood that. It's not like you're saying, uh, you know, something like physical trait that's bad or smell bad. No. How is it derogatory? So, again, we have some, the football, football teams are all gathering together. I'm not reading any more of that. Um, all gathering together to support Muhammad Salah, which is fine. That's nice. Okay. Next article was about white pride in Canada. And let me pull that up while... What did you find, Omar? Uh, so 
there's like some Facebook posts. Yep. Um, from apparently it's from uh, some of his close family saying that he's saying uh, what? passed away. But I'm not sure how accurate this is. Read it to me. So uh, it's in, I believe it's in Norwegian. Uh, so it's saying it's so incredibly sad. You'll have to hold the fort until the rest of us come along. Uh, R.I.P. Jarl Steinerson Skigdal, and they're claiming he committed suicide, but I'm not sure how accurate these sources are. But it, it's been it's been circulating online though. So he possibly committed suicide. Yeah, that's what the claim is. Rajib. All right, uh, Mubashir, what do you have? I wanted to ask you, Sheikh Shadi, about something you had mes- mentioned in one of your uh, ARC new classes, mm-hmm. which was how to interpret bad events in your life and not to just immediately attribute it to other. But there are different stages of what it can be, including the effect of our own sins. And if you could talk a bit about what those levels uh, or sources of attribution of, of things, events in your life can be, and uh, how we can get a read on when it's coming from ourselves and actions or sins that we were doing. All right, uh, that's a pretty big topic of how we can um, influence or uh, understand if bad things happen, are they a result of us? Or are there a test? Now, if something is the result of our own sins, then it becomes very difficult for that person to see the source is the creator. One of the signs that a bad deed, a bad thing that's happening, is a is a is a result of my sins, is that all I can see is the agent, and I don't see the creator behind it. And you just become fixated on this guy is bothering me, this country is oppressing us, this family member is bad. That's all you can see. And as soon as you de- try to deflect the person and say, well, maybe you did something bad too, they can't go there. right? Until that, that bad thing has eroded their sins enough, then they will be able to see now, oh, I can connect now. This, and this is one of the meanings of Akka. Akka means to connect. Or it wraps, it connects between two things. So Iqal of an, of an animal, it wraps the legs, it connects the legs, so they can't run away. So you now made the connection. Oh, this terrible thing happened because I had done that. So what's the solution? Go back to this matter, fix this issue by toba or rectification. And then by nature, this will be fixed. So it's like yelling at the branch of an orange tree that the oranges are coming out bad and you keep trying to put medicine on the branch and yelling at the branch where you're instead of looking down at the root so the sign that Allah Ta'ala wants to ease your burden is he shows you the origins of the problem the origin of the problem is perhaps our behavior right and sometimes it's not necessarily behavior it's just a bala from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if a person elevates himself in ibadah, then that is a sign that the bala uh, is just from Allah to elevate you. Right? So th- th- that's really the hallmark of what I've noticed in life is that people who have a hard time seeing beyond the agent that is being used to test them, that's oftentimes a result of sins. Right? So you do something to somebody, then you get so angry when someone does it to you, and when someone says, hold on, you also did it to so-and-so. They're like in denial. No, I didn't know. It never happened like that. Blah, blah, blah. Right? They just cannot ever admit that because you did that to somebody, it's now happening to you. And this happens a lot with parents and kids. Right? Parents will low, hate something their kid is doing. You probably did the same thing. 
It's just coming back to you now, right? And until you re recognize that, you're going to be upset, right? You're going to stay upset, and that's a sign that you, your sins are being removed. If you stay upset, and that's it. If you stay upset and you fall into sins, now it's a punishment. Now you're being punished. Let's read Yvonne Ridley on Sweden's hypocrisy in uh, the Middle East Monitor. Sweden is one of the largest countries in Europe in terms of landmass, but it has a relatively small population, only 10 million people. Ajib. Sweden? Yeah. That's crazy. 10 million people. What's that, like New Brunswick? Yeah. No. That's like the population of New Brunswick, North Brunswick, half of Jersey. Half of Jersey. Right? It's like New York City, basically. New York City is what, 25 million? No, it's like 9 million. That's the whole state, I think, 25. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Mm. Or New York City in the daytime. Yeah, when all the New York City has got 8 million nine people million, who yeah. live there. 9 million. Double it. That's 2020, though. That's so. 2020. Okay, 9 million, but double it in the daytime. Yeah. Because all the commuters coming from Long Island, Connecticut, and New Jersey. For residents, it's like. Yeah, res there are 9 million residents in New York City. Sweden is one of the largest population, only 10 million people. But it's generally regarded as being the best. What did it say? 10 million, New Jersey. Oh, okay. The whole population of New Jersey is 9.3 million, 9 million people. Probably more now. It's considered one of the best places to live, okay, in a league of 198 nations when it comes to freedom and equality of life. Now, this is, remember, a journalist who has become a Muslim. Yvonne Ridley is a Muslim. That's what I heard. She converted to Islam a long time ago. With indomitable citizens like 20-year-old Greta Thunberg. What is the big deal with Greta Thunberg? She's a, can she's someone a explain this to me? She's a pawn. How is it that the liberal media are so in love with Greta Thunberg? What did she do? Exactly. It's because actually it's like psychology because since she's young, you yeah. can't really say much to her or else you're going to be deemed yeah. as like a child, you know. Yeah, user. yeah, a bully. Yeah. But what exactly is her yeah, contribution of life? You're going into the fourth drawer with the liberals. Uh, you, you're going into their world and what they're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy. You're they don't crazy. think. You spend too much time in their fourth drawer. I just want to know what. They don't think. They feel. Exactly. Huh? They don't think. They just feel. <laughs> yeah. What exactly is Greta Thunberg's. Um, thing that made her did she she cared about the environment is yeah. that the issue there was, it was a, one of her I think she gave like a speech and it yeah. went viral because she started crying or something and she was saying to stop polluting the environment did it was kind of over the a, top did she take a jet plane to get to that concert? yeah she actually did you know that's the funny part that someone asked hilarious. her someone asked her did you come, get in your jet and she said yes and she was like well, she go. was dodging the questions because she doesn't know what to say because she's a pawn there you go you know, so okay so she's an environmental activist she's at the age of like 12 no, she's like 19. She's 19. She's Malala Yousafzai for the environmental. Exactly. Oh, okay. okay. Just, that's a great way to put it. She's Malala <laughs> for the environmental. Yes, that's true. Okay. Oh, and we'll get slammed for, for making fun of him. I'm not making fun of him. I'm just saying, yeah, why yeah. is she so popular for it? And why do the livers only have good things to say about her? There's no one just good, right? Yeah, There's no person that's just good. Yeah. It's great. It's not black and white, right. you know. So. Yeah. Good all the time. Oh. All right. Anyway. It ha ranks high for migrant acceptance. The only aspect about which Sweden is ranked negatively is the cost of living, which is very high. However, it is worth bearing in mind that Swedes earn relatively high salaries to match. You might think that all this makes it an outstanding place to live, but when it comes to Islam and the country's 810 Muslims, that means that's if you have a 10 million person population and 0.8 Muslims, right? That's uh, almost, you're almost... Getting, you're getting there, right? Yeah. You're almost at um, 1 million Muslims. You're almost at 10% of the population. 
That's a big population, percentage. So there's a rising dark underbelly and a level of hypocrisy which was exposed recently by Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the self-styled champion of the world's Muslims. <laughs> the la- that? That's what she said. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what person ever uttered that? Yeah. The latest freedom of speech stunt allowed to go ahead by the Swedish authorities may eventually cost the country its long-term, longed-for membership of NATO if Erdogan digs in and carries out his threat. Do not mess with the Turk. When the Turkish get stubborn, they get very stubborn. You are not, um, you're not going to get through it. The stunt began when far-right Sweden-Danish politician Rasmus Paladin announced that he was going to burn a copy of the Quran on Saturday, 21st of January. To make the ritual more offensive, he chose to make his man, his his infantile protests outside the Turkish embassy. Okay. Paladin was given police protection. And with permission from Swedish authorities, the burning of the Quran went ahead. And it was condoned by the state. Despite protestation from all faiths, freedom took precedent. A week later, it emerged that equally repugnant far-right politicians had announced that they were going to burn the Jewish holy book. While the government chose to ignore... Sweden's 810,000 Muslims, the burning of the Hebrew Bible was swiftly halted to protect the sensitivities of Sweden's, how many thousand Muslim Jews? 20,000 20, Jews. You got it on the nut. So 810,000 Muslims, 20,000 Jews. Okay. Israel's envoy to Sweden, Ziv Nevo, revealed... <laughs> 1 to 40. 1 to 40. Oh, 1 to 40. Or... That's your McKinsey math right there. Right, no calculator, one to forty ratio, uh, revealed that Tel Aviv and the local Jewish community had prevented the destruction of the Bible in coordination with Swedish officials. It was to have taken place in front of the Israeli embassy. We took action, boasted Israel, and no action was taken. No freedom of expression or anything else was cited by the hypocritical Swedes. When welcoming outsiders to its shores, as well as boasting about its top slot in the quality of life index, Sweden should now advertise itself as the home of unrivaled hypocrisy. For the highest reach of, in, quote, for the highest reach of injustice to be deemed just when you are not, observed Plato's character, Socrates, in the book Republic. Sweden is many things to many people, but it clearly has a long-distance relationship with justice and equality. It was one of the first uh, egalitarian societies, I think. It's mm. been a long time, so, you know, uh, equality of uh, opportunity for men and women. Yeah. That's probably one of the, you know, rankings for liberals mm. in terms of what makes a country good, so. Its arrogance and double standards may well have cost it membership of NATO. Uh, I have for one hope, and so will many other Muslims. The views expressed in this article belong to the author and not the Middle East monitor. Man, the day that he goes CD on us and brings the coffee. Let's go to the Q&A. Okay, Shashali, have you been to Pakistan? Never been to Pakistan. You got to go. We got to take you. I want to go to Pakistan. They would give you such special treatment. Why? They don't let you pay for anything over there. Really? Nothing. Why would I get special treatment? They have a very big uh, culture of guests. guests. But especially hospitality towards the scholars. And they speak Um, English too. Even if you're like a kind (laughs) of... They speak English. Just because you're a scholar, they would like they treat you well. Am and I gonna get a rose? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, you'll have I'm not crash. accepting anything less. They're not gonna yeah. than the burja with a rose. Yeah, yeah. Have you okay. seen no, video? from the airport. Have you, have you yeah. arrived in India? Yeah. In India, you seen that video? Yeah. Mashallah. Oh, that was India, huh? That was India, yeah. That was the one like there's a whole line of people yeah. welcoming him, singing songs, yeah. and putting the roses on him. Yeah. yeah. No, when I went this time, I realized something. Yeah. Um, like whenever we're going to the airport or stuff like that, if um, if someone's going from the family, and you don't go, like it's kind of seen as like an insulting thing. Like yeah. in Pakistani culture, you're not allowed to take uh, a cab to go to the yeah. airport. Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to take a taxi or an Uber. It's seen like if you're not doing that, people aren't treating you right. When I landed in Pakistan in the airport, they literally like as soon as you walk out, they yeah. have like a barrier wall all around the airport, and it's just filled with a crowd of people, like literally yeah, yeah. like a stadium of people ex like as you're exiting, and the entire all of Pakistan is there just Reading looking at their relatives. Yeah, 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 to bring their relatives. That's how. Twenty thirty people will come for one guy. I remember uh, when Egypt was like that. Yeah. What happened? What changed? I think people got busy. Like, the capitalist life took over, I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jay Perez reminds us that the Yankees are called the Bronx Bombers. That's what I'm saying. I don't feel ins an insults. That's one of the reasons. You hear it. It's not a terrible thing. Right? Dr. Shadi, you want to talk about the attack in uh, Pakistan? That someone's also asking about that. Attack in Pakistan. The, the, the mosque uh, blast. Did you give me the article. It's okay. Should be. It's on CNN. 100 people died. Let's see. Yeah, let me, see. Let me search it up. What do you want to look at? CNN? I mean, that's the first one on there. So. Yeah, whatever, whatever comes up. All right, so uh, there was a fatal... It was a suicide attack. Pack, a suicide really attack? The masjid, yeah. Like ISIS or what? So they're claiming it's the TTP, one of the ta Taliban's groups. But then the t uh, they're denying that they did that because they say, no, we don't attack masjids. That's off ground. You know, that's Taliban's not going to attack a mosque. Yeah, so they're claiming it's them, but then, you know... It's a, this is a false flag. I'm exactly. Sure. It's obvious. What about Israel? Uh, it was a the raids that they're now launching all across the West Bank. Mm. There, there's like, chatter of like another intifada. There's chatter of the intifada. I heard about that. But let's read this first. Um, suspect arrested in fatal Pakistan mosque suicide attack that left over 100 dead. Uh, I'm, I'm good. As, I'm, I'm actually fasting today. Okay. Yeah, that's why I said the day he comes up is the day I'm fasting. Here. Thank you, though, Oz. You want you, anyone want this? Several suspects have been arrested in connection with Monday's suicide bomb blasts. Okay, you know you have a non-American writer when they say yeah. bomb blast. In a mosque in Pakistan's northern city of Peshawar. Yeah. Remember when we were going to go to Peshawar? Yeah. Remember that? Who was going to go to Peshawar? My doctor is from Peshawar, and he invited me in Rabia Owen. I remember when they came all in the suits. Yep. They, they came with. They came in suits. <laughs> And they gave me a, like a letter with a stamp and everything from the sheikh, the big sheikh in Peshawar, was the invitation for a trip for me to go in Rabiat Awal to Peshawar to attend their gathering. It's amazing. Yeah. The architecture there, it's, it's beautiful. We were, Ahmad was there. We were all, we were taking somebody out to dinner. I can't remember. I think it was one of the brothers from the mosque who was leaving. But we all decided we were going to go. We were going to go. But um, I didn't, I can't leave classes and everything for two weeks or even one week it's just not possible oh wow <laughs> <laughs> there will be more arrests following a major police investigation 
217 people have been injured. 100 have been killed. Allah. We ask Allah to give them Jannah and Firdaus. I should ask uh, about them. Maybe it's, they know people. The people, same people. Yeah, pretty them. close. Authorities are also investigating how the attacker entered the masjid. Families that live in the police compound where the mosque is located are being interrogated as police cannot rule out that the attacker may have been helped by someone on the inside. Police suspect that 12 kilograms of explosive were used by the suicide bomber. Um, 26 pounds almost. 26 pounds of explosives. It's a lot of explosives. Yeah. The entire mosque came down actually, yeah. they said. I think he went all the way to the front row. Wow. Footage emerged of the destroyed walls of the mosque with glass windows and paneling pummeled in the powerful explosions. Emergency workers searched through the rubble to locate survivors in the aftermath. We have to be connected to our Ummah. Africa invaded by Russia. Pakistan bombed up by some crazy some crazies. Sweden insulting the Muslims openly. Palestine is about to have another intifada. They're going to go in and do what they're doing. And the economic situation everywhere is horrible. Yeah, huh? yeah. The dollar compared to all these currencies. The rupee is going up too. Uh, the, the lira, Lebanon. The rupee, um, the Janae in Egypt, it's horrible, horrible. Yeah. Lebanon, it's 40,000. It's crazy. Leban uh, of the Lebanese currency wow. to $1. And then Saudi is uh, pushing for peace uh, talks between Palestine and Israel as well. Saudi peace yeah. talks. Yeah, they just put an article out. Actually, there's no such thing as peace talks. Subhanallah. Everywhere. That all they want is talks. I think Netanyahu one time he said it. He said, "As long as there's talks, that's all we want. Just yeah. keep talking. That's it. Just talks, talks, talks." Did we talk about um, Iran getting bombed by Israel? Iran? No. Yeah, Iran. Yeah. Iran got bombed by Israel. Oh yeah. What's the that. What's the thing with that? What's the angle behind that? Israel sent drones to attack Iran's uh, nuclear capabilities, and the crazy thing is, Look it's it up a for very yeah. sophisticated attack on a sovereign nation. A, a drones to attack by Israel onto an an absolutely and, and, and instead of like uh, rightfully asserting that their sovereign rights were assaulted, and this is a breach to a lot of the security rights. Iran claimed nothing happened. <laughs> and it's like, well documented the, the security in Iran. Like, nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing to see here. Because it's very embarrassing how, how uh, sophisticated and complete the attack was. Iran just saying nothing happened. It's two days ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is also seen on New York Times. Chocolate Wallace saying that they didn't get bombed. Who? Chocolate Wallace. Chocolate Wallace saying what? Iran didn't get bombed. Oh, they yeah. didn't get bombed. They're 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 Jay Perez is asking if the debate will be live streamed. I'm going to ask and find out. Okay. Didi is not happy that you called Gwyneth a pawn. Okay. You got to do some research. Gwyneth, uh, Greta, Greta uh, you got to do some research on that, though. Yeah. It's very, it's rhetoric. She is all good. about exposing fossil fuel industry, the fossil fuel industry. That's a good and good for her. So she's an environmentalist. That makes her a pawn. She's asking you. That's not the Keep reason. backing to your claims. Really, a fourteen-year-old? They couldn't find anyone else. No, you have to watch her interview. She never entered a popularity contest. You don't have to like her. 
<laughs> but she fights for a good cause. Okay? So, Chocolate Walla uh, says, I am not sure if she's a pawn, but she generally is considered by her foes as the face of climate alarmism. The latter being a destructive idea. Okay. Who knew of all the things we talked about today, uh, Greta Thunberg would get the most <laughs> chatter. Yeah. Alarmism, she says. We are in the middle of an actual crisis. We haven't gotten snow, and it's January. It's over. It's not we today. do have. There's it's something to be alarmed on. Huh? It snowed yesterday, no? It snowed a little bit yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I hope yeah. it snows a little bit more. I need yeah. snow. Okay. I remember in the 90s, by this time, you'd have three feet of snow. This was nothing. Okay. When are we coming to the UK? I think we actually have to have a formalized like tour. It's not going to be just an invitation if we go to the UK. It's got to be a formalized tour of one week or something to make it worthwhile. Yeah, and someone on the ground there should set up the whole one-week UK tour. And we'll all go. Dallas. Australia, too. you got to go to Australia. I've been to Australia twice. It's amazing. Australia. Yeah. 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 world tour. Mm-hmm. One of my cousins is interested as well. It's a famous society. I've been talking Where? to him about it. Where? Australia? Australia, Sydney. You have a cousin Australia. in Sydney? Yeah. That's oh. um, Deep Greta is a young woman who speaks truth to power. Okay? That's her problem. I get that. <laughs> what topic will you suggest for Sisters Halakha for community which is unmotivated? You start with stories of the Sahaba. I guess. That should help motivate people. It's World Hijab Day. What's your view on it, Sheikh? <laughs> I didn't know about it until this morning. What's your view on hijab or what's your view on World Hijab no, Day? No, World Hijab Day. That's good. More attention, the better. Right? Are we yeah. bringing back Hijab Fest? Yeah. yeah. March... 4th or 12th. It's on the website. Hijabfest.org. Uh, yeah. It's a mini. It's a mini. Soft launch. Soft relaunch. Yeah, soft relaunch, yeah. What's okay. Hijab fest? What's that? What's Hijab Fest? What's Hijab Fest? Oh, Hijab, hijab Fest it's a precursor to is in, it, it is a uh, event for women and for young, young girls and women that um, basically it uh, sells clothes and has speakers essentially, oh. and has some food it's like a, a upscale type of party uh, for women uh, and for young hijabis and the young women who wear hijab for the first time they um, it's an empowerment they get like awarded like the first year they were this, this is the year they wore hijab they get awarded they get recognized a Muslim woman who wears hijab uh, who did a contribution to the community gets an award Right, and then different speakers are highlighted, different talents. That's one time they had a cook-off, one time they had different people with different talents. And then, of course, the stalls of all the, uh, the really good um, sellers. And we used to do this in the Hilton Hotel. Yeah, we used to do this in the Hilton Hotel. So um, it was a big event. At the, big, at the height of it, there were about 7,000 people. Wow. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, like crazy amount of people. From where does all these people come? They come from. They drive from Michigan. They drive from everywhere. 
R2R just the other weekend had like someone come from like Dallas or something. To wow. take her shahada, yeah. Yeah. From she Dallas. She wanted to uh, meet Sheikh Michael uh, Smith, I believe. And he's right there? Yeah, that's that's He's in Dallas. Dallas. You didn't know that? No, 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 Amazing. Brother says, I'm a guy without any Muslim brother around. Loneliness aside, any tips from the Sunnah to keep my iman upright from being alone? Well, question, why are you alone? You need to change that. That's very dangerous in this day and age to be physically separated from everybody else. Come to New Brunswick. Come up here and hang out with uh, Mubashir. And <laughs> eventually I would like to make a semi-public aspect to our spot here. I would like to have a semi-public aspect where informally guys could come in, do their homework, etc. But if it, if it becomes uh, too big, then we'd have to have a women's section and a men's section. Right, but... Have you ever gone and sat by the stream in the back? It's beautiful. That's nice. Yeah, it needs to be cleaned though, yeah. I would love to do one of the, you know what the Darfats guys? A cleanup of the stream. It would be fun. You go down, put, roll up your uh, pants, clean up the whole stream. It will be nice. It won't take an hour, right? Mary Kondo meets Aquaman. Uh, Ad Adib Berry says, Mulvi, yesterday you mentioned Hamali <laughs> you like that. as one of the three <laughs> like methods of Aqidah. What is it Jersey Athari and Hanbali? Hanbali is the official name of it because we could trace it back to Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal and his followers. Athari is just a word that describes going back to the sources. So a madhab is something that is founded by somebody to answer questions that have not been answered before, that has a methodology, and that has people upholding that madhab. Okay? People upholding that madhab. That's what a madhab is. So, uh, we in Islam, every madhab that is valid has imams that uphold that madhab that we could talk to. And what those imams do is they preserve the original ijtihad of their founder and the many different founders or mujtahids down the line. So that's why we, we want a living chain, not a name, and that's it. We care about a living chain. They're just progressives and modernists. So why did Ahlul Sunnah wal Jamaah close the door on new medhebs that may have a living change uh, after the fall? Was it because they sufficed and it was out of humility to like the earlier generations, or it's impossible just given living change? Um, to give you an example, Imam Asyuti announced that he will far start a madhab. But his peers said, why? There's no practical reason for it, right? Yeah. And when they had also looked at his madhab, they said, this is Shah the Shafi'i school, right? So there was no functional reason for the fifth, a fifth one. Like, there comes a point where there was no functional purpose for one. So they said, that's enough mm. for practical purposes. Should I read from Instagram as well? Read me from Instagram, please. So, um, on this topic, someone asked, why do Salafis say madhabs are wrong? <laughs> why do Salafis say madhabs are wrong? The fact that they're called Salafis, they are people of a madhab. Yep. But it, it's, a, it's a shallow thing for someone brutal. to say that. And any, even, like, Salafis who are hardcore will probably still recognize the other madhabs. Nowadays, nowadays, they do. Like yeah. Yeah. No, but madhab is a madhab is the ijtihad 
of a mujtahid, which means that where the Qur'an and Hadith are silent on a matter, a scholar has to come and answer it. It can't be any scholar. It has to be a mujtahid scholar. The mujtahid is the one who the previous generation, the previous generation before that, have affirmed him, right? And allowed him to answer questions. And now he answers questions using his knowledge. The madhab then takes the methodology by which he asked those que- answered those questions, codifies that, right? Documents and preserves his ijtihad or his scholarly thought. And then they, they study the methodology. Now, here's the beauty of it, to, to show that madhab are not like cults. Every madhab at some point will differ against its founder. At some point, every madhab will say, according to the methodology, no, this is not consistent. Every single madhab. Example? Like uh, the students of Abu Hanifa, they disagree with him on some matters. Yeah. Not to certain matters, 40% of the the opinions of the Sahih. They went against him. Yeah. Are against Imam Abu Hanifa. SubhanAllah. And how about the Shafi'i madhab? Do you ever even even see a Shafi'i's name anymore? (laughs) Shafi said, you never see it, yeah. right? Now we said, yeah, okay, and others said, so, and, and the, and the Madikis have some, Abdurrahman bin Qasim has some, and he said that if Madik had this hadith, he would have said this, right? If Madik had known this, he would have ruled this, yeah. right? So much so that they said when Abdurrahman bin Qasim and Madik's like, quotes differ, and he's a student, when they differ, go with Abdurrahman bin Qasim. Why? Because what he said, he, had an, he found something that if Madik had seen it, he would have sided with this. Right, so it's not a cult; it's not a live following, and it's living thing. It's a living thing. There are always new matters in every generation. There are new matters. They use the same methodology, okay, to answer those questions. Okay, that's the beauty of it. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. It's a living Absolutely. tradition and a living chain, and not black and white. it's not black and white. And it, and because it's a living chain, it offers a social function too, right? It offers a social function. So, anywhere that you wanted to go, that you want to go and, 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 and let's say, be with the scholars, you ask, where are the Shafi'iyah? Where are the Ahnaf? Where are the Madikiyah? You're not just going to get a class. You're going to be welcomed. You're going to get the adab of people of knowledge. You're going to get um, the, um, all the other things that social life comes with. Shady, yes. The, um, how would you recommend the student of knowledge study usul? Uh, classes are pretty uh, easy to access and widespread. Yeah. Aqidah classes, same thing. But things like kalam and usul, how, how does the student of knowledge uh, really jump into those uh, tools? Usul al-fiqh can also be read and studied. I highly recommend people read Muhammad Hashim Kamadi's book on usul and and then read your your madhab's book on usul. Suzella Rahim says, How do you bring value of Allah's commands to young girls, teenagers? Is the approach of all love and no strictness a good approach? Wary that strictness may drive them away. Everything, every person is going to be different. But the best way to get youth involved in the deen is that they hang out with other good Muslims. Right? So, and not only that, youth generally are pure. So they also must not be hanging out with the opposite. So eight hours in a public school, you're getting eight hours of influence of kufr. Okay? It's of the culture of everything. How are you balancing that out? I'm not going to say just pull them out right away because some people's situation may not allow for that. So I'm asking, how do you balance it out? 
How do you balance 40 hours each week? Right? With what are you balancing it out? If you put me right now, uh, uh, right, and may Allah not uh, test us with this, but if you take any one of us, you take me, for example, and I can't do this anymore, and I go to the masjid only once a week, and I'm working now with a group of people who are my age, okay, in a completely un-Islamic environment, I'm guaranteeing you I will be affected very quickly. Very quickly I will be affected, okay? It's human nature. It's human nature. You're going to be affected, okay? It's impossible for people to, uh, to not be affected. When you're young... You're not even built for the resistance. You're not built for the tension. Young people are not built for this. It's oppression for you to tell them, your religion is going this way, I want you to go this way, but I'm going to put you on, on, against ongoing traffic. They're going to get smashed. Right? Now, so that's my thing on suhbah, suhbah, suhbah. It's all about the suhbah. Okay? It's all about the suhbah. And there needs to be some knowledge too. Knowledge transforms youth. Right? A young person may hear something for the first time and they think it's, what? What's going on here? They hear a new thing, another thing, another thing, another thing. All of a sudden they know stuff. Right? And all of a sudden it becomes part of the filter of their mind when they analyze life. I've seen knowledge completely transform people. Right? Youth. So there should at least be one lecture a week attended. If not, you watch it together as a family in the house. And it should be a lecture that is not just preaching. There should be some knowledge to it. You have to know the difference between wadh and ta'lim. Wadh is preaching. That's fine. Muhammad Hablos. Okay? From Australia. Just lower the volume a little bit. Okay? <laughs> All right? Uh, I want to meet him. He is extremely effective. He is extremely sincere, right? I, I want to meet him. I like him. I've, I've, I've watched clips. People send me clips of his all the time, right? So I, I want to meet him someday in Australia. Um, but there's a talim as well, which is a course where you actually have to think and maybe write down some terms every once in a while. Like on this live stream, I tell you some terminology that we have to... I'm going to tell you when to write it down. Terminology, points related to knowledge that you should write down and that stuff is important systematic subject learning of a subject it transforms a person yesterday we wrote this down one dot difference emptying out before putting in empty out all the bad influences then start putting in the good influences don't mix the good with the bad. You just end with confusion. Okay. Khalil Hamza. And when the ant spoke, was it in Arabic or was it meaning in his own language? Allahu Alam. When the ant spoke to Prophet Sulaiman and the animals spoke to Prophet Sulaiman. Is there a charge over there, please? Allahu Alam, how it spoke. To be quite honest with you, I don't know. Okay. Thank you. Hey, Ryan, did you go downstairs to check on the construction guys? Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. They're cutting bricks. We live, the house is right by a stream. And that stream was leaking in. 
So we are fixing it. That's the problem. Special video on Telegram. Put it on Telegram. But don't put the outside yet. Don't put anything of the outside because that when it's all done, then we're going to present the outside. No, no, don't put the outside yet. Only when it's all done so that we show the final result. Yeah. It is. It is. Emma says, why would you know why Sheikh Asrar called Hanbali position regarding the khuf as an apparent position? I think he meant wiping over the socks. Because even the Hanabila that I've spoken to say that the sock has many conditions and the regular sock does not fulfill the condition of wiping on the sock. That's why. So it's not the khuf position, it's the wiping over the sock position. Okay. Hamza Hussein says, whatever happened to the guy who says McDonald's do be bussing though? He's, he is here under the name of Al Wali bin Michael. Not shut. He was. He's him, right? Yeah. Make dua for him. Wali bin Michael needs your dua. Okay. If it's the same Wali, unless there are many mimicking people mimicking Al Wali, but this person he asks us, he needs serious dua. Right? Allah knows best if it's the same person. Medni 786. Go ahead, Roy. Did you say something? Medni 786. What do we say about a man who says miracles in the Quran like cow meat striking to dead in story of Beni Israel are allegorical and not literal? We will make your life allegorical and not literal. (laughs) That's what the Sharia would say, right? Denying, because they deny those miracles, they deny angels, they deny jinn. Why not deny God? What's left? Is it harder to believe in angels or God? Think about that. Huh? Yeah, like, if you believe in God, you should easily believe in angels. If, why do you already believe in God to create it all this without saying be it, which is saying be and it is, right? How is it hard to now believe that he created angels or he created jinn? Like, I don't understand these people. How do you believe in God? So these are not philosophers. These are materialists. Ibn Sina was not just a philosopher. He's a pure materialist. His view of the world is purely based upon that reality is that which can be seen. Okay? That is, Ibn Sina, it's like he refuses to accept anything beyond the cause and effect material nature of the world. Yeah. He's a complete um, Greek in his uh, philosophy. some Some of those aspects, right? I don't even know why he believed in God. What's the point, right? What is the meaning of There is a, a cause for that revelation But I have to look it up for you It's a story that I, I, I can't remember, recall right now But Of course the meaning of it Is what should we give out Forgiveness Which means when you forgive a debt That is charity When you forgive someone's sin That is a charity okay? Someone's abuse against you That's an act of charity So it's also pointing out That there is negative charity In a sense in the sense that by by forgiving something, you're doing charity. Give me some Instagram, Omar. Uh, the person asks, if someone desires things that are forbidden, does it reflect problems in the heart? If what? So if someone desires things that are forbidden, haram, does it uh, reflect problems in the heart? It doesn't necessarily reflect a major problem in the heart unless you have come to accept it and you indulge it. But a person walks around 
and is exposed to the haram enough times, you will desire the haram, right? If you're exposed to something, uh, but if your heart is strong with the remembrance of Allah, you will come to despise it. But we can't say that just because you desired it means it's a disease of your heart. How many people desire to marry a woman and he, they have a desire for her, but she's haram for them, right? So uh, many people are tempted to do things. Otherwise, where would the reward be? The reward is in resistance and restraint. Intentional fantasizing is sinful. Yeah, intentional fantasizing is different. That's sinful. But just that the desire came to you, no, that's not, you're not sinful for that. Samu says, if a madrasa teacher hits your small child for no good reason, um, what action can a parent take against them? I wouldn't feel comfortable at that young age you'd be traumatized against Islam and against the Quran. That's too young for that, right? Um, I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable with it, to be honest with you. Muhammad says, please answer my question. What time is the Q&A? Huh? Uh, firstly, it may require more sadaqah and more time and more patience. It's not just a button. It may require more time and more patience. That's number one. Number two, check other things. For example, could be bitter walidain is not good enough. Could be income is not halal. It could be you insulted somebody miskin and they may die against you. They justify, why is Allah not doing miracles nowadays? <laughs> okay, that's what they say. That They say that, why believe in those miracles? There are no miracles nowadays. Um, if that mentality, if you had seen a miracle, you still wouldn't believe in it. Because at that time, the miracle did not transform everybody. That is the lesson of Islam. The miracles did not, like you imagine... That the miracle is going to make everyone believe. Well, it didn't. Right? In the time of Jesus, it didn't. Salah. In the time of Salah. Yeah. They asked yeah. him for a very specific miracle. It's probably maybe one of the only times it ever happened. The, the kuffar asked him a very specific miracle, which is bring a nine-month-old camel out of, that, out of a rock. They're making fun of him. Right? Guess what happened? Just to show everybody that not a single person will convert because of this. The, mirror, the animal came out. What did they do? They said, you're a sorcerer, and they killed the camel. Okay? They killed the camel. So, for them to imagine that miracles convert people, it doesn't. Yeah. So, Islam came with a, something higher. A, number one, we still have some karamats. There's still karamats all over the ummah. If you tap into the right communities, you'll see them. Number two, the Qur'an... Allah uh, has given the Quran as the way and the source okay, of guidance of people. <clears throat> and that is what the Prophet ﷺ brought. That's why he is at a, his religion is at another level of all these other religions. Okay? It's not about, we show you a miracle and you don't believe, we erase you. No. No one's even being erased and we're not using miracles. We use a book. You study it, you preach it, and you go out there. Okay? All right, what is... Is it a thicker Friday night? This, this Friday night is thicker, yes. 
What's a long question on Instagram? Oh, yeah, I'll read it. Um, Omar's going to read it. Dr. Shadi, thought on two men who gang-raped and killed a 12-year-old girl in Somalia. Uh, or they publicly executed. Ex- yeah, so they're publicly ex- executed by firing squad chosen by the girl's father who inspected bodies to make sure they were dead. Or so the, he's asking or your or thoughts. Or the, the girl and her father herself can execute. Yeah. No problem. What's the issue? He was asking your thoughts, I guess. No, but, I'm happy yeah. to see that. I like... Um, Quick justice like that. As long as it was fair, it was actually true. Can I can I be contacted through Instagram? Yes, you can send me a message on Instagram. Okay. Um, you know, Gamdi and this crowd—they're all Ibn Sina. No religion. Everything's an allegory. Why isn't God then allegory? Right. You know those guys we were talking to in Connecticut? Yeah. Uh, like those two older guys? They were like... Uh, Which ones? Remember like when we were walking with the ice cream? And oh, yeah, and yeah. I stopped and we were talking to the tall guys. Yeah, uh, so those... Yeah. yeah. And uh, they were like... I was talking to them and they were like, well, yeah, we're philosophy students. He's like, oh, yeah, I learned about Muslims. He's like, you know Ibn Sina? And Erna is like, you know... Uh, Avicenna. Ab- Avicenna and Averroes. Averroes, yeah. Ibn Rushd, yeah. I thought about him, like I should have said something about Bazzardi. My yeah, that's the right one, but yeah. I didn't think I'm to my mind at that time. Yeah, they, I remember they, I took a class on this, and in Rutgers, it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. Sarabi and all this stuff. No, it's all nonsense. Yeah. Uh, they have no limit to where the allegory stops, yeah. and we have a very clear limit: the language, yeah. right? Something must be interpreted. Now, when we have two texts and they seem to conflict, okay. First of all, it will never be that two. Qat'i, texts will conflict. That will never happen, right? It will always be one of them is Qat'i, the other one is Dhanni. The dhan, then, if the language conflicts, then we will have to interpret the lesser widespread and the interpretive text, the Dhanni text. Okay? Because the Qur'an itself says that it doesn't contradict itself. Okay? Yeah. So that's, and, and of, what is a Dhanni the word dhani, this is two things you should write down if you listen to this live stream. We use them all the time. Qatai, it has one possible meaning. Dhani, it has multiple meanings. So you're not interpreting it away. You're using its own language to interpret it. So that's totally acceptable. Okay. And what did the Prophet ﷺ, in the Qur'an, Allah says that the dua of Sayyidina Ibrahim, Allahumma ba'ath fihim rasulan yatlu alayhim ayatika wa yuhallimuhum al-kitab He recites the verses to you and he teaches you the book. Therefore, merely hearing the book will not educate you on the book. There's more. And knowledge of interpretation is one of them. Right? How about this one? The Prophet made dua for Sayyidina Ibn Abbas Allahumma allimhu ta'wil Okay? Why do we need interpretation if we got the Qur'an right there. Okay? And so the answer is that some of the texts of the Qur'an uses a word that has different meanings to it. So you have to figure out which meaning is intended. How do you figure out which meaning is intended? By contrasting it to the explicit texts. And Allah says, "My the book is divided into two, two types of verses. Yeah, so it's Ali Imran right away. It tells you. Some of them are Umm al-Kitab. They are Umm al-Kitab. This is the foundation of the book. And other are mutashabih means it could have different meanings. Okay? So therefore, the interpretive verses are interpreted in light of the muhkam verses. Thank you very much. That's not that hard. So muhkam, okay, 
is that type of verse that is the foundation of the Quran. They are now allegorizing away the foundations, the existence of angels, the existence of jinn. So what was the revelation then? What was the Prophet hallucinating on Allah Billah? So we can execute you a second time? Right? <laughs> what was the revelation? Okay. Oh, was he just a genius? How did the revelation come to the Prophet? Oh, from Allah. Okay. Like it flew it float, float, floated down like a snowflake. It came through an agent, Jibreel. They deny angels. Yeah. One one thing um uh that's where's this noise coming from? It's all the work. No no, it's like I feel an echo in my ear. No way. Okay. Um, one thing um, that's really, really important is Imam Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari yeah. and the later scholars, they said that knowledge itself, the very idea of knowledge is to know what is possible, what is impossible, and what is necessary. Yeah. And what you see now is that there's such a conflation um, between these different categories. For example, um, a miracle happening is possible. And it's rationally possible, but people think that it's impossible. People often ask the question that, what's the difference, you know, like when Dajjal comes, he's going to have miracles too. But the thing is, is that Dajjal's claim is that he is God. And by that time, people are going to fall for that belief because they cannot tell you what are the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is necessary for God to have, and what is impossible for God to have. Mm -hmm. And another thing that's happening is, is that people are denying the different types of daruri knowledge. And it starts with tawatr, or mass transmission, because this is the easiest one to deny. But slowly but surely, it's coming to the other type of um, a very basic first principle knowledge. Yeah. Tawatr is as if you can see it. Literally, like, we don't need to... We know China exists. It doesn't matter if we've never been to China. But once this very, very important pillar is destroyed, and it's undermined, then miracles are undermined, then the Quran is undermined. And your, your new allegorical interpretation is undermined yeah. too. The right. Christians have this problem. They've been plagued with this problem from the beginning. Yeah. They can't even answer the question, does a man named Jesus, did he even exist? There's, there's questions about that within their own texts. And the only reason why we know that he existed is because we have the Prophet ﷺ to confirm that. But these Christians, these Jews, they can't even tell you what the sources of their knowledge is. They can't even tell you with certainty that their people existed. Yeah. It's that, that, and that's the reason why Ghazali, when he was asked why Islam over Judaism and Christianity, he didn't even go into the theology. Right. He goes into what is Judaism and Christianity. You have no real knowledge of what it is. The transmission of it has been so flimsy, so cut, and the amount of doubts and the amount of forgeries... I recommend everyone here listen to Ali Atai's interview that he did on Blogging Theology. Rod, could you put his name down, please, and invite him? Blogging Theology. Oh, yeah, I think. Yeah. Blogging Theology? Could no. you go? No, put Ali Atai's name in our guest list. And. Hashtag no design. Yeah. That guy, yeah. Could you get him? Because he's. What he. He went on Blogging Theology and he took an AK 47. He took a Kalashnikov. He took a surface to air missile. Right. To, to the Christian sources. Yeah. And I'm like, Hamza Yusuf is very good friends with the Catholics. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and he works for Zaytuna. I'm wondering, <laughs> right, what's going on here? He literally decimated every possible source related to the early sources of Christianity. Everything. He just decimated it with knowledge. Like, it's, you can tell he's done this. 
you can tell he's given this talk 50 times because he's not referencing notes. Wagner group level. Wagner group level decimation. Okay. Um, he knows his stuff when it comes to Christianity, right? And I would love to see a debate between him and someone like Robert George. Right? That'll be an adult debate, like mature light people debate. But I would love to see that because Robert George, someone who I, I have a lot of respect for his intellect, I'm sure he's going to have answers. Maybe he's not a specialist in the early sources of Christianity, but he's Hamzis' friend, right? Ali Atai is also working for Tzaytuna. But that was a heavy... you got to listen to this podcast. I'm like, I'm not listening to some Christian thing, right? I clicked it. Listen to this. He says, JFK was killed in broad daylight, and we have no clue who did it, right? Yeah. And the guy's killed in broad daylight, and we could watch the footage over and over and over, and it was less than 60 years ago, right? Now have, hovering on to 70 years ago. And he says, now you're going to tell me that you know exactly what happened to Jesus, who was killed in front of only a handful of eyewitnesses 2,000 years ago, or claimed to be killed? You're going to tell me that you, we ha you have certainty of what happened at that time, and it was, it was a handful of people, right? And there was no documentation. We're here, JFK was killed and shot, and we know that the lone gunman theory is false because the blood splatter is going in different directions, Right? You know that there was not. There's no way there was that poor little guy, Harvey Oswald. And they went and they got him. <laughs> okay. And they got him from the movie theater. Wait, so he killed the president of the U.S. and then went to the movie theater. Or vice versa. Those two things don't happen in one day. Right? Okay. I don't care what order it is. <laughs> okay. And then, of course, because he has an alibi, he's totally innocent. They have to get rid of him. And how convenient that a guy in the courthouse shoots him. Isn't it always when there's a false flag or a government operation, the killer, the criminal, always ends up dead somehow? So we can't really do anything about it. That's always how it is. Epstein. This guy had a file on all these people and he was complete working for Israel. There's no doubt about it. Anyone with any common sense. The guy has zero skills in life. Epstein. How did he make his money? Huh? Okay. Go back into his financier thing. He's always had some elder around him hovering. He didn't actually do it himself. Look at it. Look up how Epstein made his money. This guy is an agent through and through. Even when he's tucked into the finance thing to make a show that that's where he made his money, he didn't do the work, right? If he was a big dog, he never would have been dead. No, he was. He was an agent from Israel that got all this dirt on all these people. Uh, there's no other story that makes sense. And they call, we're in a time, the, the sign that you're in the superpower is that the only thing that makes sense is called the conspiracy theory. And the official story, okay, is actually a conspiracy theory, is a more far-fetched conspiracy theory. So Epstein, how does he kill himself? With what? Where did you get that? How did you, what, where in a jail cell did you see that you can hang something? Anyway, so leave Epstein. 9-11 is the best example. 9-11 and Harvey Oswald, JFK's killing, are the best examples where the official story is a far-off conspiracy theory, but everyone swallows it. And the conspiracy theory for wackos is the only one that, that's the only one that makes sense. It's like, it's a 2,000-degree fire. Yeah. And, you know, it's so hot that it melts 
all the way down. Finds passports. Oh, they find 17 yep. intact passports. Unreal. Unreal. <laughs> and the fire yeah. up there, they actually simulated it on computers because now there are over 500 signatories for architects and engineers against 9-11 truth, right? Or for 9-11 truth. Over 500 signatories. And they simulated a plane <laughs> with that amount of fuel going into a building that high. It does not damage more than three stories. It doesn't even damage three. It damages three stories. That you have a fire. That's it. That's yeah. all you have. No amount of heat is going to go down and burn steel <laughs> in such a beautiful, orderly fashion. Right? It's just like an engineered. And now go. You know, people's first reaction is the best. They go immediately to the firefighters, to the witnesses. What happened? He said, "Man, it was like controlled demolition." Ta 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 ta. That's what the guy's first reaction was. Of course, all those videos were taken by the whoever is. Uh, behind it, uh, CIA, FBI, whatever, and they watched all that stuff, right? That's the one thing that it's just, I'm not even for uh, a war on terror, let's go and, 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 and paint Bush as the conspiracy theorist and he's the one who did it. I'm just against stupidity. You cannot be that dumb. I'll tell you else what, why else. They're going to blame 19 Saudis. They're going to say that they were in hiding in Afghanistan in a cave. And you're going to pull off this massive attack on this country from a cave. Yeah. Are you guys serious? You believe this? All right. If you're so great, let's say, if you're so great that you're great, such a great criminal. Okay. This is Gru level. Yeah, uh, level. <laughs> right? You're such a, a criminal that, that you're, you're doing 9-11. Wouldn't you have muqaddimat and muakhirat? Muqaddimat and muakhirat means wouldn't you have precursors? You're not going to go straight to fight uh, Tyson Fury and knock him out in one punch, in one round, out of nowhere. We're, we would have known you, right? We would have seen you knock out 10 other guys, right? If it's true, if it's true that uh, Bin Laden had put together this this conspiracy wouldn't he have done conspiracies on in other things that are less than that to build up to it right you don't come out of nowhere they asked Muhammad Ali one time who can fight you he said on today right now nobody they said this is a very arrogant statement he said no it's a factual statement because if someone's gonna be heavyweight they got to come up the ranks yeah and I see who's in the ranks nobody today can defeat me today I'm not saying that there can't be, he said. He said there can be, but we will know him. We'll see him coming up the ranks. In the criminal world, you don't just go from cave to 9-11. Muhammad Atta, 27-year-old nobody, to 9-11. You would have done little crimes on the way. To middle-level crimes, to bigger crimes, to bigger crimes. And then you, you, you steal the moon, right? As uh, the minions did, right? Vector steals the moon. You don't steal the moon right away like that on the first try. Knock out Tyson Fury on your first ever boxing match. No. So and then after 9/11, what did they come up with? The underwear bomber, the shoe bomber, like ridiculous really? kindergarten yeah, stuff. Really? Yeah, like that's that was your follow-up act. That's a muqaddimah. Yeah. Like, that's how it's. That's how it's. Oh, we failed at the shoe. We we succeeded at the underwear. We next at the undershirt. I mean, 
Then we actually took down a plane in, in Libya or some weak country, right? Then we took down, then we got big. We went to a European country. Years later, you get to America and you do an attack. And we can buy that, right? But you're going to tell me, so that's a sign that you're living in the superpower, that they got everyone convinced. That's a sign that the media is in the pocket of national security. Because if you tried to tell someone, yeah. like, if you tried to tell someone that this, everything that we're talking about right now, you can't. You can't get into a second sentence with them without, no, you like, can't all right, this guy's conspiracy theorist. Exactly. Doesn't, I don't want to talk to him. Pure brainwashing. You Pure brainwashing. Yeah. You would have right? to emotionally convince the person that you're not trying to yeah. like, misguide them. And that's why I like architect. I never talked about this stuff uh, until this group of guys came around. Uh, professionals, architects, and engineers. I'm going to look up their website for 9-11 Truth. I'm not even all about conspiracy theories, like moon landing and stuff. I could care less about that stuff. Stupidity I have an issue with, right? It just bothers me. Architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. They're on C-SPAN now. That's how respectable they've become. Because they have evidence. They have uh, all sorts. All right. Explain to me, they say, the third tower, World Trade Center. I'm not doing this to defend Afghanistan and bin Laden. I'm not doing it with bin Laden, right? Uh, we've been against their ideology in the first place. It, it actually, like, I'm looking at the timestamp that I have for this, how yeah. we got into it. But it's like, it's because of our epistemology. You can't believe this yet. Yeah. Like, by observation, it's not consistent with what they're saying. Yeah. They're not a trustworthy source. Uh-huh. None, none of this is epis- epistemologically true. Acceptable. Acceptable. Yeah. It's not acceptable at any grounds. You, we, you got caught lying saying that there's a passport there. You got caught with that lie. Muhammad Atta's dad says, I talked to my son on September 12th in Germany. Right? And that was scrubbed. So he wasn't even in the U.S. You I stole an identity. Obviously, they stole an identity. Right? But then they, they didn't kill the guy in time. And then he's dead the next day. Right? I'm telling you, uh, the third tower solving the collapse of World Trade Center 7. If we go solely by our eyes, just watch what a building look like, looks like when it's purposely demolished, okay? Raised to the ground. It is no different than 9-11, okay? And there is a time gap, a, a subtle time gap between the crash and the thing going down, right? Because my family lived there. They all knew something was up. Everyone, like, Bro, no one really believed it. From the beginning... I went from a different angle. I said, I know my people. They couldn't yeah. pull this off. They would want to. Even if they tried. They, 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 yeah. they would exactly want to. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, okay. I'm telling you right now, I've seen jihadists. I've seen some of the kooks in London. They would want to. Number one, they would not even dare imagine taking down the trade centers. That's how their mind would not be there. Their mind might be on a little embassy in some rickety old country, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what their mind would be. Right? Oh, t- taking the social security money or whatever, uh, and unemployment money and stealing the government's money. Little, their mind is there. That's number one. Number two, okay? <laughs> their mind is not on the big things, okay? Like 9 11. Number two, we all know our Muslim people. The incompetence level is riddled at all levels of incompetence, okay? We love Turkey. You love Turkey. You go there, you feel like you're in a Western nation. Go try to get some paperwork done. Still going to run into incompetence. Go to Saudi. And, and now it's getting better, but go to Saudi at that time. There's no way Saudi and Af- uh, people 
Bin Laden, some Afghan people in caves are going to have the sophistication to pull this off. We know our people. That's the other thing. They don't even know how those buildings are made. They don't even have those kind of buildings in any part of the world where these guys are coming from. Here's my favorite thing. The airspace is protected by NORAD, right? So what's the excuse? Why didn't you shoot these planes down when they were coming close to New York? Okay. So guess what? Guess what happened? Not only did cavemen steal the moon on their first try, okay? (laughs) They got lucky because the NORAD watchman, which is one guy, took a coffee break. At that very time, at that moment in time, okay? That's what their answer is, okay? So not not only are we supposed to believe this conspiracy theory, and not only are we supposed to believe that there was only one guy in charge of the airspace, who wouldn't believe that? For a second. There's not one guy in charge of the airspace. There's like a room full of people with computers, right? And that guy said, hey, I'm going for a 15-minute break. At that very moment in time, how lucky could you get? Uh, this, is, uh, this stuff is absolutely unbelievable. I have a friend who's doing you know, pilot, uh, you know, pilot courses yeah. and stuff. And he tells me how hard it is to interpret you know, the planes and folds. Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell me this guy... Knew how to fly a plane with such precision. No that way. Tiny building. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing he was too. Able to hit it straight on. Perfect. He was perfect. Able to interpret the, the directions and the airspace and yeah. what's going on. And, and they said <laughs> he's trained in a flight school in Florida. On what? What did he train on? He trained on these little thingies. Microsoft flight simulator. Yeah. It's not easy to interpret a plane's yeah. buttons. Yeah. And not only that, twice, two planes, and they hit hit it the target both times. Who is going to believe this nonsense? It's sophistry. It's complete sophistry. Okay. The Let me read you this. They weren't thinking straight. They knew what the effect was going to be. Yeah. They needed, you know, like funding and whatnot. Mm-hmm. They, like, so everything just lines up so perfectly. There was an agenda from before yep. of, to get into the Middle East somehow, yeah. to get into Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. It's just like... It's, every- so, <laughs> it's, it's so clear who is the beneficiary at the end, right? The U.S. government is the beneficiary at the end. Because yeah. they get to go in Afghanistan, the whole world supports them, and they're going to go and suck it dry. I want to see what they say here. Okay, um, how how did they how did they not? Someone look it up. How did they not um, detect these planes going off course? Okay. The whole thing. Is that is the Bin Laden thing is a conspiracy theory, and this thing, the the, the real story, right? Oh, and then when they kill yeah. him, yeah, they dump his body into the ocean to respect his religious beliefs. Wow, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's insane. That is insane. Yeah, yeah they dumped his body in the ocean. Kind of story. My aunt actually lives like on the same kind of neighborhood as where they said Bin Laden was. Yeah, and she tells me how. No one believes that he lived there because they've been living there for so long, and everyone knows each other. You know, yeah. small communities, you're all in touch with you. You're mm-hmm. not going to see a house and not know who's in it. In these exactly. Areas. In you these know, little environments, yeah. everyone knows everybody. You're going to know who's yeah. in there. You're going to know what mm-hmm. they're about. Yep. So many of the yep. locals and children there, even they said these are plays. We never saw persons. Th- that that the it's all fake. So who knows? Yeah, that to me was fake. Um, it, it's good to see that it's no longer a wild conspiracy theory to believe. In the, the conspiracy theory is no longer considered a conspiracy theory. Architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, they are now in the thousands of signatories. 
that this is a professional demolition, controlled demolition. Okay. It, it, these people are all professionals in the field. Like you can't sign on without being an architect employed currently. Huh? Yeah. You have to have all the licensing, everything. And here they are. Look at the banner. White people. Not not us. Right? I can't believe we're going to this White people. Look. No, they're just furious at the stupidity. What do they have? What is their motive? Right? What is their motive for this? Nothing other than the professional... Like, integrity yeah. of this thing. This is a straight-up lie. You know, like, back in the day, everyone knew yeah. that the government and bureaucrats, mm -hmm. they're up to no good. That yeah. these are a bunch of phony liars who are trying to make yeah. money for their own gain. Yeah. No one believed when the king had stuff to say, when the prince had stuff to say. Yeah. And now the 21st century comes yeah. along. We think we're so smart. That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Bush, yeah. he's a guy that I'd like to have a beer with. Yeah. And because of that, I'm going to believe what exactly. he has to say. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I believe the comedian who said, uh, who here believes politicians lie to you straight to your face, right? And, you know, like one or two people raise his hand. He said, uh, raise your hand here if you're a dad, okay? Or a husband or a wife. And then raise your hand if you've lied directly to the face of your kids, right? Told them lies. Everyone raised their hands. He's like, well, why do you think the politician cares about you more than you care about your, your kids, right? <laughs> People are lying all the time. And I'm not saying we, we, we're doing that and we're supposed to do that. But in general, in life, Americans are lying. People are lying all the time. You think these people are not lying? Anyway, I'm just going to read this real quick. Um, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, Inc. AE 9-11 Truth is an American nonprofit organization promoting... The conspiracy theory that the World Trade Center was destroyed in a controlled demolition, disputed, disputing accepted conclusions. Look at the language of Wikipedia so that they could save their website. They're promoting the conspiracy theory um, and the accepted conclusions around September 11 attacks. The language here. The 9-11 Commission Report, as well as FEMA's WTC Building Performance Study. Okay, Their claims and theories do not lack support in the professional in the political community obviously but of course they're going to discredit these people through the roof but to me this is the truth anyway uh, let's go to epistemology like who what is the empirical evidence how many holes are there in the data right who's given you the te testimony and what benefit does he have had to gain from this whole thing Anyway, we went off on a little bit of a tangent, but I'm saying, okay. There is no way that this thing was um, was what it is. It's one of those things that it's like I, uh, if it comes up, you're touching a nerve. <laughs> I just cannot believe it. I cannot accept for any minute that people are expecting that or accepting that. It's an attack on the truth. That's what it is. It's an attack on my common sense and my brains. You're insulting my intellect when you tell me the caveman went in, did 9-11. That we're supposed to believe. Okay? <laughs> okay. There's more public figures like Andrew Tate. Very controversial. But isn't it a coincidence that all these Epstein celebrities who we have dirt on, like the lists are out, no 
no one pursued. None of them got pursued. But as soon as this guy converts, yep. tells people to think for themselves, yep. tells people to be strong in your faith, they He's decide to hit peace on yeah. him. Incredible. It's, incre- it's so Incredible. clear. Yeah. It's so obvious. No, and you know, they're mad yeah. about like, you know, he's a pornographer and stuff like that. You know, like, why are you not going after the guy who made Pornhub or OnlyFans or all of these different yeah. organizations? Yeah. Why is this dude, this dude isn't even like street level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's not even like a pimp, you yeah. know. Why are you going for this guy and turning him into the symbol of all of this when he doesn't even talk about it? He yeah. doesn't even do it anymore. It's just that it's so easy to get people to believe whatever you want with the, like the media cycle. Yeah. And that's really at the signs of the Dajjal is he will get people to uh, in one day be able to convince everybody that someone good is evil and yeah. someone evil is good immediately. Yeah. And I think this is like not saying of, who's good and evil, but I'm saying uh, the fact that people just so quickly are all of the same conclusion, right. and you all believe that you're free thinkers, but you all have the same conclusion, right? right? And we know that the Jal he is going to have an army, yeah, and he's going to have people who are supporters as well, like the Prophet Sallallahu tells us that the Jews of uh, from mm-hmm. Esfahan are going to come. Yeah, you look at it there all around. There's people that are positioned yep. for misinformation to convince people. You know, when people, they think that they're free, for example, when they stop listening to mainstream media, they'll come onto Reddit, for example. You don't think Reddit is botted up in the same way? It's just that it seems like it's more democratic. It seems like people talk with a more casual tone. Yep. You don't think that, like, it's it's difficult for them to infiltrate these communities as well? And And these guys have also come up with the idea that when they do a false flag operation, they have also cooked up the conspiracy theory. Right. But they've poisoned the conspiracy theory. Right. Like, uh, what's it called? Uh, QAnon? Yeah. Like, oh man, I remember when I was at Rutgers, like, you know, it's all like uh, uh, blue colored people right? yeah. or whatever, liberal. Like, they love to bash this thing. Yeah. To me, it just seems like it's been made. To Thank make, you. To, to any, anything conspiracy theory, you can yeah. categorize it with these extreme exactly. weirdos, yeah. underground. Exactly. Whatever, wearing masks and silly stuff. Yeah. And anybody who has a conspiracy, you're in that group now. So as soon as there is a false flag operation, they will create the conspiracy hub mm-hmm. and infiltrate yeah. that and poison it and make sure it's so wacky right. so that any leak of the truth, just throw it there. And there's different- Any truth that leaks out of there, they've already accused its keepers. And there's different ways of doing this as well. Dave Chappelle... The first time when he left Hollywood in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. there's interviews where he talks about why he left. And he says that, like, as I, like, once I got this blockbuster $20 million deal or whatever it was at that time, he says that people, I started noticing things. Mm-hmm. I felt as if people were trying to drive me crazy. Mm. It, he said that things just weren't adding up. They weren't yeah. lining up. I couldn't explain it and put my finger on it, mm. but I knew something was there. For example, you look at Alex Jones. What, what comes to mind when people talk about Alex Jones now? Yes. This dude is a nut job. Mm-hmm. He wasn't always a nut job. Yeah, yeah. he was very right-leaning and very ultra-conservative. But that weird like ceremony thing that he, um, he stumbled upon, that was mm. totally legit. Yeah. It was 100% legit. Yeah. Even the politicians knew that they got caught red-handed. Yeah. They just played it off. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Then he starts getting a little crazier and crazier. The yeah. frogs are, you know, the water yeah. is turning the frogs gay. Yep. You know, crop circles and this type of stuff yeah. that's going on. And now he's full on a crazy nut job. But the first thing that he reported on, yeah. that was legit. Yeah. 
And and they sent their agents. Yeah. Work with him. Get in the company. Yeah. And make it crazy. Drive yes. it so far. Yeah. That he was a completely un, not uncredible. Yeah. Source. Yeah. Discredited source. And that's yeah. the tactic. That's the game. And it's the same way that the Shayatin do it as well. Yeah. Like um, what you told us uh, a couple of times, mm -hmm. where in the past they would go up to the heavens. Yeah. And then when the soothsayer would come. Um, and ask them, they would give them some truth, mm -hmm. but then they would mix some falsehood into it yeah. as well. This is the same way that this stuff works as well. The people, they break the news, mm -hmm. and they might be correct the first few times, but then they get start, they start being fed false information. Yeah. This is exactly That's what That's exactly now. what the jinns used to do, and the shouting, and their source is one. It's Iblis. Yes. It's the same thing. So they, they, they always cook up a source, a, 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 a pot. They put the pot there so that if any truth comes out, that pot's already poisoned. And that's how it works. But we'll see in uh, our great-grandchildren's school books what they're teaching them about I think 9 we should end this uh, yeah. by saying you should mention our epistemology, though, in case people don't know. Yeah. Because that's the root of all this is that's being threatened. That is what's being threatened. And that's being threatened. Get and, and, and when it comes to transmitted evidence, it's not about how many people are repeating it. The source has to be valid, right? The and go back to any of these theories and go back to the original. Yeah, millions of people are parroting it now. But did it start with millions of people? It started with like a few people that you don't know, right? That you have a, a clue. So transmitted knowledge has to be examined, right? Number two, you, you, we cannot stop uh, trusting our eyes. And that's one of the things of Dajjad. Dajjad will come in and he's already doing it through the transgender movement. Your eyes are telling you that is a dude. The whole world is saying she, right? And you eventually will start saying she if you don't understand that you've got to trust your eyes. Dajjad himself will call himself a god, but he can't fix his own eye. That's why Allah made him blind in one eye, right? So you have, we have to trust our eyes. We can't, the, the, they can't pull the wool over our eyes the way they've been doing it. Um, and then... The third source of knowledge, of, of reason, is that we also, when, when we examine a case, we also have to examine who's benefiting. Like, we can't eliminate these things. Who's benefiting at the end of the day? And any case will take observable evidence, and we'll try to uh, take observable evidence, transmitted evidence, eyewitness testimony, and with reason, sew it together into an argument, Right? And so that argument, we also have to ask who's sewing it together and who's benefiting from it. That's in court. That's what they do. But epistemology is so important for us um, that we're seeing it now get slaughtered. Right. Day and night, people not trusting their own eyes, right? People trusting untrustworthy sources, people accepting claims that are, that they're, which we don't know. And by the way, everything on the internet soon will be a lie in the sense of they can lie through anything. In other words, what AI is doing through deep fakes will render any video that you see suspect unless it's proven truthful by another source. Audio, yeah. Audio even easier, right? Yeah. So it, with a one-minute clip, they got very close. Mm -hmm. With an hour, they'll probably get 99%. So we're getting to the point that you cannot trust an online source very, very soon, mm -hmm. right? Yes.
personal conclusion, uh, the onslaught of misinformation is yeah. to withdraw from it and to focus on mastering the basics. Um, what commentary would you have on that to the Ummah? Because I feel like it's, it, it's very easy to get lost in the Idrisi red flags if you think it's uh, important to be consuming the latest news cycle, to watch the latest videos. But by withdrawing from all of that, asking myself, is my wudu right? Is uh, my relationship with Allah like mm -hmm. downright? It, it just it, it removes all the forks in the kitchen that I don't have to focus on anymore and, and, and stay within a one mind track on the things that matter. But there's things like kids and the immediate uh, tangential or tertiary uh, frames of references that are important to me, I allow in, but not what's going on uh, on a mass conspiracy level because I feel like so yeah that stuff is a waste of time it is right I, uh, architects and engineers for 9-11 truth is like a pet peeve more than anything else like what are you going to get out of it okay I'll spend like uh, a couple minutes every few months uh, when I get peeved by it it's a pet peeve and nothing more because it's an insult to intellect right you're insulting our brains here and it's just so stupid uh, to, to buy into that but uh, and to not see what the, what the truth of it, but it's it's sphere of influence and sphere of control. But you have to have. I do believe we have to have a pulse on what's happening because we will get hit. Immigrants came to America not knowing what's going on. They got hit by something called MTV, and their kids went astray in the eighties. Mm. Then it comes in the nineties. They have no control. Let's put computers everywhere. Get a laptop. They get hit with transformation. They get a cell phone. They got hit because they're unaware. So I believe we always have to be aware. And that's like a reconnaissance mission. Yeah. I'll take this one last question. You previously mentioned how the Ummah was humiliated because our forefathers lost wars. And they lost wars because they strayed away from Allah's path. Is their sin affecting us? Yes, it is. We face the consequences of people's failures. That's the summary of it. If, you, if your dad get, does good and he gets rich, don't you benefit? If your dad keeps getting fired because he's got a bad personality and he doesn't know how to work with people and he gets fired and you go poor. Don't you suffer? Yes. The sin is on him, but the consequence is on you. The sin is on them and the consequences fall into us. And so we're not sinful, but we are suffering the consequences. So you have to know that there are sins and there's consequences. There's good deeds and there's consequences. The beneficiaries of the consequences of good deeds are not always good. Those people aren't always good. Someone did well, Allah opened the gates of wealth for him. Right? Now his kid's spoiled, rotten brat. So there are good deeds and there are rewards and there are consequences. So you have to separate between the two. Just because a man is good doesn't mean his, kid, the, the, his kids handle the reward well. right? They might not handle the reward well. So it might not benefit them, that reward. So you always have to always think about there's actions and there's consequences and they're separate. Right? Jazakumullahu khairan everyone. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-ladhina amanu wa aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum.